When you think of someone being jealous, what comes to mind? Probably an insecure relationship or something like that. And yet the Bible says in clear terms that God is a jealous God. This trips up a lot of people. It's very strange to us, very foreign and a little bit confusing. So let's look at this. Is God really jealous? And if so, what does that mean? So I got Jonathan Pasisna, the expert on the jealousy of God here with me. I don't know about <laughs> no, that. No, you've been doing your research though. You've been doing your research. I'll give you credit where credit's due. Um, but let, let's just dig straight into scripture. Is God jealous? Yes, he is jealous. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's not an attribute we often hear people describe God or ascribe to God a whole lot, but yeah, the Bible's clear. He's jealous. I, I want to run through some passages just to show us that. Uh, ex, the first one I have, Exodus 20, verses 3 through 6. I'll read it here. It's the first two commandments that God gives in the Ten Commandments. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not, you shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bat out on them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. Interesting. Yeah, so here God is telling Israel, after bringing them out of slavery, that they can't worship any other God, or make idols to worship, or serve anyone else the way they're supposed to serve God, and that's because... He's a jealous God. That's the yeah. reason he gives. And that's the defining attribute as to why Israel and now us as Christians aren't to worship any other gods or have false idols. I mean, that's such a such a well-known passage, yeah. obviously. It's such a central passage, Exodus 20, the Ten Commandments. And to see that as this is the the foundation for those first two commands. Is, I'm jealous. really interesting. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. So, so this is not, I mean... I, you know, I've had people before say, you know, ask the question of what's your favorite of God God's attributes? You know, obviously they're all united in, in one, but I've never heard anyone say the jealousy of God is their favorite attribute. Yeah. And yet this is this is a, a place of prominence. And mm-hmm. so it's, it, it's obviously very important. Yeah. And then he goes on in Exodus 34 when he's renewing the covenant because Israel breaks it like immediately. Yeah. So he's renewing the covenant in Exodus 34, 14. This is like, Really crazy. He says, For you shall worship no other God, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Wow. Like, that's a crazy passage. I mean, he's saying that he is so jealous that his name is Jealous. That's the defining attribute, so much so that he actually says, Yeah, I am Jealous. <laughs> that's my name, you know? Wow. It's crazy. That's fascinating. And again, now you never hear that mentioned as the name of God. No. I mean, this is obviously a unique, you know, one-off thing. Yeah. But that's that's fascinating. What he's saying is my identity, is right, jealous. my character is so linked to this that can't be separated. Exactly. That's fascinating. So um, let's let's dig into this some more. We got we got uh, a few Old Testament passages. Right, what yeah. about New Testament? I got one New Testament one for you. James four. It's good passage. Good passage. But it says in verse four and five. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously, jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? Fascinating. Yeah. So, so what, what's, he, what's he saying here? So James is saying you can't be, if you're a Christian, you can't be a friend of the world 
and a friend of God. You have to either follow the world and be an enemy of God or be a friend of God and follow him. He's jealous over you. He wants every part of you uh, because he's jealous. He's jealously yearns over the spirit he's made to dwell in you. Okay, so we're starting to get a little more clarity on the definition, but let's try to define that. So we've proved that this word, this term, is clearly linked with God's character yeah, in the, it's in in the Old and New Testament, clearly. Hopefully no one watching this debates that at this point, but let's define this. What does it mean for God to be jealous? Is it like how we would think of an insecure you know, dating relationship yeah, like where you're your boyfriend. Yeah. You're like afraid of the, you know, what the person, yeah. you know, ever being out of your sight or something like that. What, what is, what does it mean that God's jealous? Yeah. Usually like you're saying, we think of it kind of in a negative sense, right? Coveting, envy, wanting something so badly, you hate the person you, uh, that has what you want. And the Bible does speak about that kind of sinful human jealousy. Mm-hmm. But when the Bible speaks about God being a jealous God, it's obviously a good thing, right? God is good. There's no sin in God. God's jealousy is good. Yeah, and and, when, and, and just even envying and coveting are typically in the context of because I always thought they were all the same too. Yeah, and definitely in English, there's a lot of you know overlap. But I would still say envy and coveting have to do more with wanting the possessions or position mm. of someone else. Yeah, of wanting them to be taken down a notch and you to be lifted up a notch or something along those lines, whereas jealousy has to do with relationships, yeah. right? So typically it's, yeah, I'm jealous for this relationship, yeah, even, want, even in English. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Okay, go on though. Yeah, so uh, so when it when we, um, when the Bible's speaking about God being a jealous God though, uh, it's obviously a good thing. And if you're looking at all those passages I just mentioned, they all have to do with... Um, the jealousy of God all have to do usually with uh, what you're worshiping in reference to worship. All those passages that I read have to do with worshiping other, either other gods or being a friend of the world, yep. right? And so most of them are commands saying, don't worship any other God because Yahweh is a jealous God. The implication is what he's trying to get us to do or, uh, yeah, what he's trying to get us to do is follow and worship him alone, right? He's saying, don't worship anyone else, only worship me. So when the Bible speaks about God being jealous, it isn't talking about God's having selfish desires, right? He doesn't have those. But it's talking about God's desire and zeal for his own honor and praise and glory. Uh, he wants people to worship him. It's saying God is jealous for his glory, jealous for his people's worship, praise, attention, honor. He wants his people the ones he's in a covenantal relationship with to worship him. So, yeah, so obviously <clears throat> it, uh, explained that way, which I think is very helpful. And yes, you will see this. Notice as you read through the Bible yourself, hopefully you read into the Bible on your own, maybe you're using our videos to go through the Bible, but notice the references to God's jealousy. I don't know if we could say they're exclusively in reference to idolatry, but overwhelmingly yeah they're going to come up when there is an idol situation in other words god is married to his people and he's jealous rightfully jealous Mm -hmm. that they are having this religious affair with a false god exactly it reminds me a lot of the book of hosea yeah right so it you know and even in our our day-to-day life there are times when you should be jealous yeah like we put paint jealousy as this negative term but if your spouse god forbid right is 
you know, developing an intimate relationship with somebody else, you should be jealous. <laughs> yeah, you, you should, should be, be upset, upset you about that. Fight for that. Exactly. And if you don't, it shows the nature of your love is incredibly weak. Yeah, you don't right? care. Mm-hmm. Like it, a, a rational person. I know we're in this age where like polyamory is becoming popular <laughs> and all, all this stupid stuff. Yeah. But in a just a rational, common sense kind of a, a time, we would say that if you're not upset by someone, you know, someone you love being unfaithful to you, your spouse or whatever, then you don't really love them. Yeah, it's a press, you're pressing them. Right? Yeah. It's like unnatural to be uh, upset about that. It's like, yeah. it's crazy. Super yeah, crazy. you're just disinterested. Yeah. So clearly you don't love them, but God can't be disinterested for his people. So, uh, I mean, maybe this is kind of obvious, but so is, is it a good thing then? I'm sure people are asking, is it a good thing for God to be jealous? Yeah. I mean, the I would say, yes, it's a good thing. And really the, the first reason I have is we kind of already been talking about it, but it means that God has a personal love for you, mm-hmm. right? He's jealous because he loves you. And that's an awesome thing that God would love us. I mean, um, right. We're been, we've been saying jealousy isn't necessarily a bad thing. Uh, the jealousy God has stems from love. And the way the Bible tries to illustrate that idea is we've already been talking about it, but the covenant relationship of marriage, right? That's a super helpful picture of what God's jealousy is like, yeah. right? Jealousy, like we've been saying, in a marriage is a good thing, right? I'm recently married four months and- Congrats. Thank you, thank you, (laughs) thank you. And yeah, I'm jealous for my wife, right? It would be weird if I wasn't jealous for her. And that means because I love her, right? If anything came between us or anything threatened our relationship, I'm gonna do whatever possible, whatever I can to protect and preserve our relationship and that's because I love her. Yeah, right. Absolutely. I would make sacrifices. I would make tough decisions. I'd have difficult conversations, so I could keep our relationship intact. Yeah. Didn't I? Didn't I? When I officiated your wedding, didn't I speak from Song of Solomon? <laughs> I don't think you did. No? Did you? Who, who's who's sermon? No, you uh, didn't. I don't think you did was that. that. <laughs> oh, the, about how love, right? Like a swords can't break love. You know, the end of Song of Solomon. Yeah, I know what you're talking about, but I don't know if he's... You're thinking, you're thinking something, man. I don't know about this guy. This guy <laughs> seems inappropriate right yeah, now. No, no. Um, which is that, yeah, like it, you fight for love, right? Yeah. Like you can't be broken. It can't be bought. Um, that's kind of the, the end of Song of Solomon. Or I think about Isaiah 43, right? I've called you by name. You are mine. Yeah. So mm-hmm. if God possesses, and that possession is a possession of love and of care, it's not just of trying to control or something, you know, in terms of how we think of it as humans. Or yeah. Ephesians 1, like we're, we're sealed by the Spirit. There's an ownership in that sealing and a protection. Hmm. And all of these point to this powerful relationship, right? And You're the, one, right? Yeah, yeah. The, yeah that, that significance of love that, no, we're not just some number in God's eyes. We're a person or we're people that he loves. Yeah. And that's what the Bible says about the church in the New Testament. We're Christ's bride. That's, yeah. that's like the defining term for the church in the New yeah. Testament is we are Christ's bride. Christ is our husband. And he was so jealous for his church that he laid it down his life yeah. on the cross for us. So yeah, it's a good thing that God is jealous. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because if he wasn't, he then that means he doesn't care about you. Exactly. And yeah, the second reason is because that God's jealousy is a good thing is because it results in us getting God, right? God, the fact that God's jealous for us uh, means he wants what's best for us, which is himself, right? If yeah. God is the most glorious, most precious, most beautiful thing you could have. Him wanting you to worship him is you, when you, when you actually come and worship him, that's what you get. You get the most beautiful, precious treasure that the entire world has to offer. 
Yeah. Right. You get to be in relationship with him, which means you get to have the most valuable thing. And including all the benefits that come with that, right? The eternal life, joy, peace. Those are all benefits of getting God, yeah. right? So if God was not jealous, if he didn't care about what you worshiped, then he wouldn't be loving, right? He'd be fine with you worshiping something that doesn't actually satisfy you. That's not life-giving, but actually destroys you. Yeah. But instead, God wants us to experience life. He wants us to experience peace, and that's only found in worshiping him. That's amazing. Yeah, how, it's, it's interesting to be encouraged by the jealousy of God that when we are worshiping falsely and trading the glory and the beauty of him for something lesser, that God's not okay with that. Exactly. And really, I mean, the entire history of ancient Israel illustrates yeah. that, right? Like you, like you mentioned, the golden calf being kind of the first incident of that, of spiritual adultery, and God then re-establishes, re-establishes his covenant. His right? covenant. And, and this whole interaction with Moses, who's who's the mediator, right? Mm-hmm. He's kind of the picture of Christ in that whole interaction, but of saying, no, we're not satisfied if you have an angel lead us. Like We have to have you, God, with us, and God agrees to that, right? And he reestablishes the covenant, all these things. And then the entire history of Israel is them going after other gods and God pursuing them. That's why Hosea <clears throat> comes to mind because Hosea is that book about the, the husband <laughs> yeah. with the unfaithful wife. Yep. And he's constantly going back and pursuing her and purchasing her out of the slavery that she's put herself in Into, because yeah. of her you know, adultery, mm-hmm. because of her immorality. And he's constantly bringing her back. And that's the picture God chooses to represent, this visceral image to represent his love and his relationship with, with Israel. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. It's it's incredible. Yeah. It's really incredible. Yeah. So the jealousy of God, yeah, it comes with fierce anger at times against those who would destroy his people. Yeah. And it comes with, I mean, ov- often it's pain and discipline for his people, but yeah. often tender, loving care Yeah, as incredible well. love, yeah. Yeah, to yeah. bring us back. So it's a, it's a beautiful thing. Well, what are some... What what's our should our response be to the jealousy of God? How do how do we make this practical? Yeah, as Christians, right, we uh, should always be thinking about what is our response to these to God's attributes. And first, I think, just easily enough, is we should worship God. That's what these commands are about. He's jealous for our worship. So, yeah, let's praise God, uh, acknowledge He's the greatest treasure, and actually live for Him. And second, I would say. Uh, we should be zealous for good works and preach the gospel. I think a really cool passage, one of my favorite passages is Titus 2, 11 through 15. I'm going to read it, and I just think it illustrates this so, or explains this so well. It says, um, Titus 2, 11, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, who are zealous for good works. Declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority, let no one disregard you. Yeah, so what this passage is saying is that Jesus came into the world to redeem and purify people for his own possession, right? A people he was jealous for. He came to save them to, uh, in order that they would renounce ungodliness and pursue godliness, like verse 12 says, that they would do good works, live for him, verse 14, and verse 15, live to serve him and declare the declare these things and let no one disregard them. 
Hmm. And what that's talking about, declare what, right? The grace of God that has appeared in the salvation found in Jesus. So he's saying, look, Christ came to make a people for his own possession. Now go declare these things if you're one of his people. Go preach the gospel to the world. I love it. Yeah. So if God is jealous for us, us we should be zealous for him. And, exactly. And that makes sense. I mean, because he's jealous for us even when we are sinful mm. and disobedient and wandering away and all these things, right? Uh, while we're yeah. still sinners, he dies for us. So he's jealous for that relationship. So how much more should we be zealous to pursue him, to live for him because he is infinitely worthy yeah. even when we're unworthy. So, um, man, that, that's awesome. <laughs> so hopefully this is helpful for you. Uh, obviously we always love hearing comments and you know, your thoughts on this topic, but I hope you've seen just how practical and important this doctrine of the jealousy of God actually is.